Well, good morning. I'd like you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. Have you ever been robbed? About 15 years ago, I took a solo trip to Africa. A lot of great things happened, but I was thinking back on that trip. I was uh, pickpocketed in Rome by a gang of 10-year-old girls. I was taken for about $50 by a con man in Nairobi. I was blackmailed two different times on the border of Tanzania. I guess I'm an easy target. I've had my house broken into and robbed once. I've uh, had our cars broken into several times. It's an interesting feeling when you get robbed. It's kind of a combination of anger, frustration, violation. Your chances of being robbed are greater today with the introduction of newer forms like identity theft. It's a lucrative crime. They made away with over $21 billion last year. And over 12 million Americans were victims In fact, there is a new victim of identity theft every three seconds in the United States. So I'm going to assume you've been robbed. But that's not really the question I want to ask you this morning. The question I really want to ask you is, do you rob? Do you steal? I'm led to that question by the Eighth Commandment, which says this in verse 15. You shall not steal. Now that's pretty plain. Anytime we take something from someone else or we keep from someone what we owe them, we're stealing. Let me help you with some synonyms. To burglarize, to shoplift, to defraud to cheat, to misappropriate, to rob, to extort, to swindle, swipe, jip, embezzle. God says, you shall not steal. And if you're sitting here this morning saying, I don't have a problem with this commandment, I'm going to assume either you haven't looked at it very closely or you're breaking the next commandment. You're lying. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and assume you haven't looked at it very closely. So I want to look at it more closely this morning. And to do that, I want to look at four things. Number one, the categories of stealing. There's more than one way to break this commandment. Let me give you some categories. Number one would be larceny. That's the most obvious. We all acknowledge that. That's outright stealing, burglary, burglary, armed robbery, shoplifting. A study by the University of Florida concluded that one out of every 11 customers is a shoplifter. 30% of high schoolers admit to stealing from a store, and maybe more telling, 89% say they know other kids who do. U.S. retailers lose $10 billion a year to shoplifting. And who pays for it? We all do. It's estimated that each American consumer 
pays about $400 extra per year to cover the cost of those losses. 1.5 million motor vehicles are stolen each year in the United States. And hotel managers say that one out of every three guests steals something. Now, it doesn't take the brightest bulb in the chandelier to steal. I looked up some burglary bloopers. wanted to share a couple with you. Maybe you've heard of them. man walked into a bank, handed the teller a note demanding money. He took the money, fled to his house, and the police were waiting for him when he arrived there because he had written the robbery note on his own deposit slip. man walked into a Circle K convenience store, put a $20 bill on the counter, and asked for change. When the clerk opened the cash drawer, he pulled a gun and told her to give him all the cash. When she pulled it out, he grabbed it, leaving his $20 on the counter, and made off with a grand total of $16. Two men in Kentucky decided they were going to steal an ATM machine, so they hooked a chain to the machine and the other to their bumper. They drove off in their truck, pulling their bumper off. Shocked, they decided just to drive away from the scene, leaving their license plate on their bumper at the scene of the crime. My favorite In Lake City, Florida, a woman attempted to rob a Howard Johnson's. She walked in and threatened the motel clerk with an electric chainsaw. (laughs) Help your neighbor with that one. Doesn't take a genius to steal. It just takes someone who has lost their integrity. You say, well, Dan, I would never walk into a Howard Johnson's with a chainsaw. I would never walk into a convenience store with a gun. Well, let's move on to some other ways you can break this commandment. Second would be cheating your customers. That's when you overcharge for your services, or you misrepresent your product, or you promise more than you can deliver. The classic example was Beechnut Baby Food. They were advertising that their apple juice was 100% fruit juice. When the Food and Drug Administration analyzed it, they found there were no apples in it. It was just chemicals, water, and dye. And when they were busted in 1982, rather than destroying the product, they shipped it to the Caribbean and sold it for another 10 years, making $60 million, feeding babies a chemical cocktail. Cheating customers. It's nothing new. 3,000 years ago in Amos 8.5, Amos said to the merchants in his day, you make the bushel smaller and the shekel bigger, and you cheat with dishonest scales. When a repairman makes unnecessary repairs, 
when a doctor does unnecessary tests, when a salesman makes unsubstantiated claims, when you're selling your used car and you know there are all kinds of problems and you say it's always been a jewel, you're stealing. I'll give you a third way. Defrauding your employer. You say, well, how do I do that? One way would be by stealing money or goods. Insurance companies say that 30% of all business failures are a direct result of internal theft. It's estimated that employee theft amounts for 60% of all inventory losses, which amounts to $40 billion in losses each year. Now, this can be done by everything from embezzling to taking home supplies to using the company phone for long-distance calls to padding your expense account. It was reported that there was a motel in Mobile, Alabama that advertised on its sign, Rooms $80 with a $20 cash rebate. And why didn't they just say $60? They were appealing to business travelers who would get a receipt for $80 to turn into their employer and pocket the $20. You can steal money or goods from your employer. Let me give you another thing you can do. You can steal time. If you're not giving your employer an honest day's work, you're stealing from it. Colossians 3.22 says, Servants, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. James Patterson and Peter Kim, in their best-selling book, The Day America Told the Truth, reach these conclusions. Workers around America frankly admit that they spend more than 20% of their time at work totally goofing off. That's one whole day a week goofing off. Almost half of us admit to chronic malingering, such as calling in sick regularly when we're not. One in every six Americans regularly drinks or uses drugs on the job. And only 16% say they give work their best effort. I heard about a man who was applying for a job, and in the course of the interview, he asked the prospective employer, what will you pay me? And the response was, I'll pay you what you're worth. He immediately said, no, no, I just quit a job where I was making more than that. When someone is paying you for your time and you continually come in late and leave early and take 16 coffee breaks a day and an extended lunch, there isn't a whole lot of time left. Half-hearted work is stealing from your employer. And if you are an employer and you're not paying a person what they're worth, you're stealing from that person. Colossians 4.1 says, Masters, provide your servants 
with what is right and fair. I'll give you another way you can break this commandment. Defaulting on loans. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrow and do not repay. When you borrow something or you buy something on credit and you don't pay it back, that's stealing. man and his wife were in Sears buying a refrigerator. The salesman said to them, you will pay no money down and make no payments for a year. The man and wife looked at each other, stepped back, looked at the salesman and said, oh, you've heard about us? Is there something in your garage right now that belongs to your neighbor? Is there a book in your library that someone loaned you a long time ago? You say, well, Dan, that's just long-term borrowing. No. That's stealing. Fifth way you can break this commandment is deceiving the government. Romans 13.7 says, if you owe taxes, pay taxes. Now, there's an easy verse to memorize. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Tax avoidance is good stewardship. Tax evasion is stealing. You may have heard about the fellow who wrote this note to the IRS. Enclosed, you will find $150. I cheated on my income tax return last year and haven't been able to sleep since. If I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. I'll give you a sixth way. This one may surprise you. You can break this commandment by selfishness. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Did you know that you owe a debt of love to your next door neighbor? Did you know that you owe a debt of love to the person across the aisle from you this morning? And if you withhold that love, then you're stealing. Or if you want to get even more specific, here's Paul's instruction to married couples in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. He says, stop depriving one another. When you withhold love and affection and intimacy from your spouse, you are stealing what belongs to them. How are you doing? Let me give you one more. Define God. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Who owns you? God does. So when you... Live for yourself, 
as if Jesus never lived and Jesus never died and Jesus never rose. You're a thief because you are robbing God. In Malachi 3.8, God says when you don't give him tithes and offerings, you are robbing God. God wants the first fruits, the first of whatever he gives you. And when I give God the first fruits of my blessings and my possessions, I am saying, I'm all yours and it's all yours. I'm saying to God, you own this sheep and you own the wool. If you are paying your bills before you are giving to God, you're robbing Him. So there are the categories of stealing. And I hope you see there's more than one way to break this commandment. Well, now that you're feeling guilty, let's move to the second thing, the causes of stealing. What causes us to steal? Let me suggest three things. Number one is greed. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. When greed becomes your God, it has no values. When money becomes the love of your life, you will do anything to get it. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He warned us about this. And then he added this statement. He said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Our materialistic world preaches just the opposite of that, doesn't it? Our world says a man's life does consist in the abundance of his possessions. Our world says the one who ends with the most toys, what? Wins. Way back in the day, Jack Benny was one of the popular comedians and he did a skit where he was walking down the street and he was suddenly accosted by an armed robber. The man approached him with a gun and said, your money or your life? And he just stood there and did nothing. Finally, the robber became frustrated and he stuck the gun into his chest and he said, your money or your life? And Jack Benny replied, don't rush me, I'm thinking about it. Does your life consist in the abundance of your possessions? Some of us may need to think about it. First cause of stealing is greed. The second is laziness. If I can steal something, then I don't have to work for it. And we as Americans are always looking for a shortcut. People love the idea of getting something for nothing. Why do people spend so many millions of dollars on state lotteries? Is it because they want to support education? No. They want to get something for nothing. And that's the same thing that motivates us 
when we steal. Greed, laziness, let me give you a third one, pride. Somehow in our warped sense of values, we get a thrill out of conning other people. And for many, it's not about a need for money. It's about ego. We love to say, I took that guy for all he's worth. That was a steal. Well, let me tell you something. When you steal, it doesn't prove superior ability. It proves inferior character. Thirdly, we'll look at the contradictions. When you steal, there are two major contradictions you are living by. The first is this. You think you're getting away with it, but you're not. You steal because you have convinced yourself that no one is going to know about it. If you were about to take something and you were absolutely certain that someone would find out, would you steal? No. Well, let me tell you something. Someone is always watching. Number one, God is watching. What does Satan tell you to try to entice you to steal? He says, nobody's going to know. And besides, you're not getting paid enough at this job. So you deserve to take those supplies. You deserve to take that merchandise. And no one is going to miss it. Nothing could be farther from the truth. In Job 34, 21, it says, His eyes are on the ways of men. He sees their every step. There is no dark place, no deep shadow where evildoers can hide. I may fool my boss. I may fool the government. I may fool that insurance company. But I'm not fooling God. God is watching. And if you're a parent here today, Your kids are watching. Values are not just taught, they are caught. Your kids are watching the values you live by. You ever go to Six Flags and encourage your kids to cut up in line? They're learning values from you. You ever say to your kid, tell the waitress you're 11 so you can get the kid's menu? You ever drive away from Hardee's and say, it's my lucky day, she gave me too much change? And meanwhile, in the back seat, your kids are watching. Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, the just man walks in integrity. His children are blessed after him. One of the best gifts you can give your children is a parent with integrity. God is watching, your kids are watching, and let me give you a third one. Unbelievers are watching. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men in such a way 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You say, everybody at work is doing it. Let me tell you something else everybody at work is doing. They're watching you. And if you claim to be a Christian, they're really watching you. And if you act out of integrity and refuse to be dishonest, you are shining the light of God. And if you go along with the crowd and act dishonestly, they're going to say, he's no different than the rest of us. Contradiction number one, you think you're getting away with it, but you're not. Contradiction number two, you think you're gaining something, but you're actually losing. Listen to Proverbs 20:17. It says, Stolen bread tastes sweet to a man, but he ends up with a mouthful of gravel. The truth is, when you steal, you are robbing from yourself. You say, How so? Well, you're robbing yourself of God's blessings. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 25 says, Your iniquities have turned God's harvest away, and your sins have withheld good from you. Whenever you take what is not yours, you are closing the door on God's blessings. You are stiff-arming God's good for you. You're robbing yourself of God's blessing. Secondly, you're robbing yourself of character. You say, it's no big deal if I cheat on my taxes. It's no big deal if I take home some goods from work. Well, it is a big deal. Because every time you steal, it takes a toll on who you are. It's damaging your character. You are robbing yourself of becoming the person God wants you to be. So you rob yourself of God's blessing. You rob yourself of character. Thirdly, you rob yourself of your future. In Luke 16.10, Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And then he said this, whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What you choose to do today with a little, Jesus says, you will do tomorrow with a lot. The guy who has his hand in the petty cash drawer today will be embezzling the books tomorrow. So don't fall for the contradictions. Finally, the cure for stealing. The Bible prescribes three things. The three R's. Number one, redemption. Redemption. In 1 Corinthians 6, After giving a list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God, including thieves, Paul says this in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, 
but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a beautiful passage. You used to be a thief, but you've been washed, you've been redeemed, you've been cleansed, you've been justified. See, it doesn't matter what you were in the past. It doesn't even matter what you are in the present. Because Jesus can forgive your past, and he can change your future. When Jesus hung on the cross, there was a cross on each side of him. Remember what those men's occupation was? They were robbers. And one of them turned to Jesus and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus swung open the door to paradise to robbers. If you're here today and you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, the key to overcoming your past is redemption. It doesn't matter what you have done if you're trusting in what he has done. First R is redemption. The second R is repentance. Repentance means to turn around. And Paul gives us the equation for this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Here's what he says. Let him who steals, steal no longer. But rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Three steps to repentance are in that verse. Step number one, stop. He says, let him who steals, steal no longer. If this has been the pattern of your life, Paul says, stop. Put the brakes on. Now, he's not talking here to unbelievers because unbelievers don't have the resources to stop. If you're an unbeliever, you need to be redeemed by Jesus Christ. But if you're a believer, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to stop. Step number one is stop. Step number two is work because the next thing he says is, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good. Paul says, take those same hands that you used to steal and now use them to work. Stop stealing and start working. Stop stealing and get a job. Step number one, stop. Step number two, work. Step number three is give. Because the end of this verse says this, work in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Love that. He doesn't just say, stop stealing and get a job, because you might have the same selfish motive you had when you stole. You're going to work and get the money for yourself. What he says is, stop stealing, start working, so you'll have some money in order to give. See, that's the very opposite of stealing. And that's what repentance is. It's to... Stop stealing, start working, and then turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction and start actually giving to people 
in need. Redemption, repentance, third R, restitution. That's paying people back. Remember Zacchaeus, the little guy in the tree? He was a tax collector, which means he was a crook. He was into white-collar crime. He wore a suit and tie. But he was a crook because that's what all the tax collectors did. They overcharged people and then pocketed the extra that they got. And when he met Jesus, he said this, If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. I'm going to make restitution for what I took. But I'm not just going to give back what I took. I'm going to give back four times what I took. And when Jesus heard that, this is what he said. Today, salvation has come to this house. What was he saying? That's the evidence of salvation. Someone who's not just going to say, I'm sorry, but somebody who's going to do everything they can to make it right. That's the fruit of repentance, restitution. So let me ask you in closing, do you steal? Do you shoplift? Do you cheat your customers? Do you defraud your employer by taking money, goods, or time? Do you default on loans, deceive the government, deprive others of love, defy God by withholding yourself or your money? The cure is always the same. It starts with redemption. It starts by coming to the foot of the cross and entrusting your life to Jesus Christ and letting him cleanse you and change you and make you a new creature. And then it moves from there to repentance by turning from taking to giving. And then that's followed by restitution. Wherever possible, I'm to pay people back. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. You say your word is a two-edged sword and it cuts us and lays us open. And Father, this passage does that. Because while we may not be robbing banks, we can still be a thief in many other ways. Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts today and help us to realize that the answer lies in you to be 100% surrendered to you, to allow you to forgive us, to change us, to make us the people you want us to be. And Father, help us not to fall for the contradictions, the lies of the enemy, that there are shortcuts. Help us to trust you and to allow you to provide for us and us to experience your blessings and for us to walk through this life in such a way that our light shines on other people because we're going a different way then they're going because we're headed for eternity with you. Father, we thank you for your challenges today. 
pray that we would walk away from here being real with you and living that out in such a way that you and others say salvation has come to this home. We give you our praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.